Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Welcome to DBR Racing Products, the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, they have been revolutionizing the industry, starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes. But they didn't stop there. They have continued to push the boundaries, constantly improving their design with each new version. In 2018, they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage, specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all. They've developed ProPeg mounts that allow you to use TRX450R Nerf bars, giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, visit their website at www.dbratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DBR Racing Products, where innovation meets performance, unleash the power within you. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, SCORE, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go-to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation 
and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. The Dirt Wheels crew, welcome to ATV Talk. I thank you guys so much. Jeff Henson, Henson, sorry about that, Jeff. Messed up your name. And Kane Smead, you guys are working for an iconic portion of the off-road ATV industry, um, three-wheelers, UTVs. Um, Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy days to uh, grace me with your presence. I really appreciate it, guys. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, well, one of the things that, you know, Jeff and I talk uh, occasionally, and one of the things that he brought up is the fact that the younger people and some of the people that are mainly, um, Jeff, how would I bring this across to more internet uh, guys don't have all the history, don't understand where your guys's history comes from. And I'd really like to get into a little bit of that um how long dirt wheels has been around and you know where do you guys get some of your your stories and find ways to um get the content that you guys put out yeah well dirt wheels has been around since the early 80s um it's actually a really cool time right now because not only are we covering the brand new quads, the brand new side by sides that that are kind of taken over, we're we've really ramped up covering three wheelers and covering uh, uh, old. We bring back old articles that we have in our archives. Um, but just like always, people come to us and they they want us to feature their builds or their rides or things like that. So we really get a lot of content from the readers. Is that, uh, is that always been that way? It's all, it's always been that way. Yeah. I mean, a good portion of our content, you know, the ideas will come from a reader or um, it's a submitted article from a reader or photos, you know, of a reader's machine. You know, if the photos aren't good, but the bike is really good, then we'll go meet up with them and and shoot them. You know, if we don't uh, necessarily test it, but if we if we're going to throw a leg over it, we'll take the photos and uh, print them in the magazine. That that's pretty awesome stuff. Um, I know that with the onset of the internet, the paper magazine has suffered but when i talk to everybody in my little circle they love the magazines are the subscriptions going up or are they going down or are they staying level the subscriptions are level they've um you know they've gone up and down in the past right now um we we did just get rid of one title our utv action magazine so so it's combined with dirt wheels so we have a steady um subscription base of about 50,000 uh, subscribers. So 50,000 people um, getting it in their mailbox and uh, every month. 
is there um, an active process of of how you because okay I know I, I'm a little bitty spec media company that, that specializes in a certain thing and dirt wheels is a huge portion of my life in what I do in my other business and how we get out more people to how do we how do we get more people that we can reach out to with dirt wheels how do we do this Jeff let's hear you uh, I you know I, uh, just to go back on what you were just talking about I can't even when I go to the grocery stores I can't even find dirt wheels on the stands it's it was there I see all of our other magazines which include dirt bike motocross action mountain bike action and in my area where I live, there's a lot of ATVs and UTVs. So it seems to be selling just fine here. And I and I hear the same from other people. I also know that we had a sand issue. Uh, I think it was back, was it October, November, that we had at the Sand Sports Super Show. And that particular magazine, as far as ad sales, outsold Motocross Action, which hadn't, to my understanding, hadn't happened in the last 12 years. I don't know. Is that correct, Kane? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think things are actually looking up. I think uh, we've had a 2023 was actually a pretty good year. And let me just say that I've only been here for the last year. I started at the end of December last year. So I'm going to let Kane answer a lot of these questions as far as the history of Dirt Wheels goes. My history is with several other magazines and magazines and uh, online publications concerning ATVs and UTVs. Well, let's just, I'm going to ask both you the same question. Um, and we'll start with you, Jeff, your history in the ATV industry from the media side, where, where does your background come from and how long have you been doing it? Uh, for me, it started when I was racing. I, I was racing in the 90s, um, was racing desert mostly locally. I was racing works uh, while well, I was in the 2000s, but I was also racing the Baja 1000 series and best in the desert back in the 90s. And a actually it was a writer or an editor for Four Wheel Action Magazine, which is also you know part of Dirt Wheels, that saw me writing some of my adventure stories on America Online, if anybody remembers that. Um, and that was, I think you guys know this guy, it was Bill Lanfear, WBGO, from yeah. way back. He was the one that discovered me online. We ended up hooking up at the Dunes. And uh, I think Bill was approached for an editor job with um, another publication called ATV Illustrated. And he turned them down, but he turned them on to me. And that's where it all started. And I got my foot in the door. I was working for free, writing free articles, you know, went out and bought a camera and everything and just wanted to be part of the industry. And one thing led to another. It became a career. And uh, since then, I've worked for ATV Magazine. You might remember ATV Sport Magazine. It's been, you know, well over a decade since ATV Sport was around. I worked for a few TV shows uh, concerning trail riding, ATVs, UTVs, dirt bikes. And then I was working for ATV Rider most recently uh, when uh, Kane and I just happened to be talking through the internet. And there was an opening and here I am at Dirt Wheels. <laughs> Kane, how long, how did you get tied into uh, being a, a, a media guy? 
Well, back in the mid nineties, I was racing a little bit, mostly um, the super lights in the Mickey Thompson stadium series. I had already raced quads and kind of moved on to cars and um, Dennis Cox, the old editor lived in my town and started using me for photo shoots and testing on new ATVs. Um, I did that for about uh, five years for free, just showed up and rode and um, probably bought those guys lunch and uh, uh, went to a couple races. I probably, uh, I think I raced a couple of your guys's quads um, in some desert races. And then the magazine was really booming around the year 2000. And then they hired me as, as a associate editor. So then I started actually testing products and writing small reports on um, like new products and, you know, a, a handlebar or a tire or, a you know, there was a lot of like filter lids and exhaust pipes. I, I did a lot of uh, exhaust shootouts and things like that when I first started. Um, you know, it's 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 funny you ask because it's it's the job that. Uh, Jeff and I are both seeking uh, associate editors right now to to come on board because we are growing a little bit from from what we were a couple of years ago, and and we could use um, some assistant editors. One in my hometown of uh, Boise, Idaho, and one in the Phoenix area. So um, we're actively searching for those kind of kind of young and hun- hungry people that want to be involved in the uh, ATV UTV uh, media world. That's that's awesome that you that it's growing like that. Do you guys feel that ATVs in a whole are still a very active sport? Definitely. I mean, they're they're definitely if you go to any riding area, they're still out there. There's tons of you know, you go to Glamis, there's tons of Banshees and 250Rs. We we just did an article on um a 250R takeover that happened in the Oregon Dunes a few months back. And that thing was crowded. I went to Dunefest over the uh, summer and, and that event was, um, you know, there was a ton of ATVs out there. So yeah, ATVs are still a big part of it. Do you see four strokes and two strokes or is it, or have the vintage machines started taking back over? You know, it's, it's not, uh, wouldn't say any one is bigger than the other. You, you see everything, you know, and you always shake your head and you go, wow, you know, there's a guy still riding a, you know, a two thirty, or there's a guy riding, uh, you know, a Banshee that is bone stock. And you're like, how did that last that long bone stock? But yeah, you, you see everything. All right. That's, that's so cool. Has the UTV industry affected your ATV enthusiast that much? I don't know. It's, it sounds like it has. I mean, they're the, the diehard ATV guys or ATC guys. They, they gripe about the UTVs. Um, but who knows? I mean, the, you know, some people do say the trails are getting rougher because of the high horsepower vehicles and things like that. And, and I see it where I ride, I, I avoid the, the busy places where the higher horsepower UTVs are, you know, unless I need to test something that, that I want to test like those people ride. Um, but I, I search out the smoother areas and, you know, but maybe in a, 
in the Midwest where you can only go to one riding park that's within a hundred miles of your place, you know, that's all you have to do. So they can complain about, you know, UTVs tearing up their trails. Well, they've been been hearing, I've been hearing a lot lately talking to some of the the major manufacturers that in some markets around the country, uh, UTV sales are starting to taper off and trending downward. Uh, and machines such as the Can-Am 500 and 700 out the Outlanders, which were new last year, uh, those machines are doing very well in sales because they're at a very affordable price, decent power, good good suspension setup. Um, I I kind of am optimistic that there's a trend where they're going to be bringing back some of those lower cost machines, so more people in you know the uh, lower middle class, you know, people like us <laughs> can actually afford some of these things. So it'll be interesting to see what the next couple of years do. Hopefully there's a sport quad in there somewhere. Yeah, I don't, I'm almost done giving up other than some of the stuff that you, you see coming out of China. I don't see a Japanese manufacturer bringing a sport quad back anytime soon. You guys have a better feel for it and a better touch than I do. But any of the, the, I mean, I, for a while there, I was hearing rumblings of a 450, rumblings, 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 and then it went dark. Yeah. So I don't, I, I've, you know, I'm kind of like you too. I've given up on trying and even bringing it up. Uh, I, you know, will it happen? I don't know, but I, I'm actually kind of just, just become more content with, having the YFZ 450 and the Raptor if you want something brand new. But like you and I spoke, uh, what was it, a week or so ago, everything is out there for the 250R and some of these other vintage machines that you can rebuild. I I think there is a, it's very rewarding to build your own machine, bring one of those back to life, update it with modern technology, like uh, new suspension, guys like you that can can rebuild the engines. Um, I'm, in fact, I know Kane and I both have our own 250R builds in the works right now. And I'm just as happy on that old 87 250R as I ever was on, on anything new. So uh, there are sport quads out there. There's answers out there. You know, As far as the racing community goes, I guess maybe they're going to have to change some of the production rules. Maybe we can bring some of that old stuff back in. I think the crowds would show up to see the old vintage machines at the track so have you guys seen the announcement from uh briarcliff oh about the uh yeah the the uh mx race of the legends yep the legends mx race yeah invite only yep i didn't get an invite so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but no i did see that that's pretty cool hopefully hopefully it's well attended um yeah we're uh we're quietly trying to work something out for one of our guys um, and see if uh, we can make it happen and, and get him a machine. I don't know if it'd be four stroke or two stroke. We haven't crossed that exact bridge yet, but we're still trying to put the pieces together. I think that is a Jeremy Osborne is a bright light in uh, race promotion in our industry. And I really, um, I really appreciate everything that he does there at Briarcliff. Yeah, but, any anything that just brings something new to the series because I mean it it really is a shame that um, I mean rip it up films is kind of the only one 
really paying attention to ATV motocross at the moment. I know when I was younger and liked to race and ride tracks, I went to a lot of races just because I wanted to. But, um, you know, life happens and we don't have a young guy on staff that wants to go do that stuff and or else we would cover more in the magazine also. Yeah, it's it's very difficult for myself. I mean, I used to travel to all of the West Coast stuff and I, I came from back east as well, you know, traveling back there. But it it's very difficult to do the amount of work that we do in my other job and then roll into what we do here in the in the in ATV talk and then to find the time to travel, you know. I mean, the recent story we dropped on YouTube, and I call it a story. You guys call it a video. It's it's a video story um, on three wheelers. Uh, that actually was you know, what seven months later than it was supposed to be, uh, due to <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And <clears throat> that being said, one of the comments that was that I heard about was that you know. Where do you guys come off writing some of the stories you have with lack of your lack of experience? And I don't know how they could say that if they know who you guys are and all the years that you've spent doing this and the different things that you've done. Because, Kane, I know that you've not only raced two strokes, four strokes, you've, you've driven multiple different UTVs. Jeff has been doing a number of different things as well because I've seen some of his stuff. Um, is there a way yep. to convey to the reader that you guys do have the credentials to be in the positions you're in? Well, sure. I mean, a journalist covers a sport. I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, like like you, you think about Formula One. Formula One drivers aren't covering the sport. There are guys covering the sport that have never been in a Formula One car. You know, it's a journalist should wrap wrap a story around, um, you know, the facts of the machine or um, some interesting tidbits about it. You know, we we can't you know, we can write a story about a 83 Tri-Z 250, but have never owned one or, you know, or written one. So it's just, you know, we have to write about a lot of different things. and. And yeah, we're not necessarily experts on everything, but we try to get some insight from experts like a guy like you on, you know, say we're you're, we're talking about a Quadzilla 500. We could get some quotes from you about, you know, how many uh, like the problems engines have or something like that, or or talk to a guy that's that raced them a little bit. So, you know, we we write about everything and um, do the best we can. You can't say we're perfect on it, but we uh, definitely have been doing a gar darn good job for decades. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what comment you're talking about, Lenny, but I'm going to guess it came from a guy who rides three-wheelers strictly <laughs> because they are some of the the most passionate people about what they write. And if you get one little thing wrong, even a misspelled word, which amazes me that somebody in a three on a three-wheeler is that an actual grammar Nazi to one of us, you know, they, they come after you. And I admire that passion. I don't, 
But having worked for other publications, I can tell you that High Torque, Dirt Wheels, everybody that's on this staff is an enthusiast first. And we came into this from that background and then pretty much learned how you know the writing and the the uh the photography and video on as we came into uh this career. So I I can also say that I did see a comment similar to every time we put up an a an article about an electric ATV or UTV, we see that stuff. Suddenly we're woke, <laughs> you know, or uh you know, they don't want to see that stuff. And and honestly, we are not trying to push EVs on anybody. It's just another option. It's a way to maybe bring motocross tracks back into the city because you eliminate the sound. We're just looking at anything to get sport machines, you know, back up to where they used to be in the early 2000s. So that's what our, our whole effort is there. We're not trying to push something new on you or, you know, climate change or whatever it is. So. How how cool Joe Tully is the one we were talking to him and he was the one that was talking about the electric motorcycle race park or riding park in your neighborhood. And if it's electric, how can the how can the neighbors complain? The baseball game's louder than the electric motorcycle. You know, and if you have right. an, an EV park where you have three-wheeler or, or four-wheelers, uh go-karts, motorcycles, you know, you have skateboard parks. You can't tell me that those are safer than, you know, a two-wheeler. Yeah, and I've tried to explain that to people, and they go right back to, well, what about the dust? And what about and Well, there's there are ways you can control the dust, but they just start, you know, throwing reasons to me why we can't have these things coming back into the city, why it won't work. And I'm just like, do you work for the Sierra Club or something? Do I don't know, know what's going on here. You're making these crazy excuses. Let's at least try it, you know. They're government employees. I, uh, I, if anything, I would much rather have two-stroke ATVs coming back, fuel-injected two-stroke ATVs, even. You know, but we're just looking at options. We're not woke. Uh, you know, we're just a bunch of enthusiasts writing about something we love. Kane, in your area, is the EV talk very, very uh, a big thing? No, not really. It's not as big as it is down south. I mean, and you know, in California, it's. I, I heard a something about. Oh, a friend of mine has a landscaping business, and he says, "I'm not. I'm shutting it down after the next year because I'm not dealing with battery lawnmowers and battery, you know, trenchers and all the stuff he's got to go through." So, um. It's not that big up here yet. I, I don't even see electric things other than, you know, maybe a chainsaw or, a, um, you know, a, a impact wrench or something. Yeah, they're they're going to struggle. They're going to kill a lot of industries with trying to make them EV because they're just the technology is not there to do it. And, and the education for it is not put out there correctly for the consumer base to really understand how expensive it is to charge all this stuff. And that your charging station is when you're charging your EV car, it's like robbing the power from 20 homes. Yeah. And they don't realize that realize that. Yeah. But you know, an electric, uh, 
ATV or even dirt bike, there's there's a place for it. I, I don't think it'll take over or doesn't need to take over, but there is a place for them, like you said, in the in the cities or sound sensitive areas that would be it would be great i mean i'd love to go ride up in the forest um even on some 50 inch quad trails in total silence just to to see what kind of animals are out there you know just it it wouldn't wouldn't uh, deter me a bit yeah it's a good option for hunters you know atvs great option uh for for us on the sports side, you know, the only reason we bring it up is just for that reason. Plus, the insane amount of torque you get out of you know the electric motors and uh, horsepower. You know that Stark Mark dirt bike makes upwards of eighty horsepower. Yeah, the range isn't there, but for motocross, it's decent. So for for us, it's just a, it's it's all about power and torque. It has nothing to do with. I mean. I love the planet, but it has nothing to do with saving the planet or any of that, you know, feel good stuff. It's, it's about performance. So, and it's just another option. I don't think EVs will ever take over uh, fuel. And if, if anything, you know, maybe uh, hydrogen power would be something I know all four Japanese uh, manufacturers plus Toyota are working on Japanese or working on uh hydrogen motors for small small engines uh so it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the future we're we're gonna they're they're gonna change something not i i don't think it's because they need to i think it's because it's a uh been ingrained in the world now that there's this climate issue caused by fossil fuels and that's not at all the truth yeah somebody's making a lot of money (laughs) there's no proof of it um, even though they say that 97% of the scientists have said what, you know, the, the talking points, but that's off topic a little bit. I, I really want to delve into, uh, the future of dirt wheels and where do you see you guys going in, in 2024? Um, I know that there's a lot of great new, uh, there's some great four by four stuff coming out from Polaris and Can-Am. You also have new models of your UTV. Um, Yamaha's our only sport quad, but there's some Japanese uh, small bikes that are bouncing around a little bit, you know, for your mid-level guys in the ATV industry. Um, that's also a little rumblings that we've been talking about. So where do you think Dirt Wheels is going to go with th- those topics? Well, more um, more coverage of um, sport, vintage, um, more video on all that, more social, uh, more of everything. Just gonna, we're gonna keep trucking along, and and we're gonna dig up. You know, if anybody is thinking about building a new sport quad, we're gonna help them along. We're gonna try to push that. Um, as much as possible. Hopefully it'll be for that entry level rider. Cause we've seemed to lose, we've lost a lot of those models. And I mean, that's the important customer The you know, the, the racer can buy a YFC, the, the Duner or the high speed trail rider can buy a Raptor, but we want the teenager or the son of the guy who likes to ride. We, we need those guys to buy and be excited about a new ATV. Yeah, because hybrids aren't going to do it. You're not going to no. get too bad to buy a hybrid. 
You're right. I mean, they're, that's a great concept, but it's it's just not practical for the average Joe that needs to go buy something for five or six thousand bucks and and go ride on the weekends. Yeah, Honda needs to bring back that 400EX or a uh, 300EX um, that's non-shaft drive. You know, even if they can go, they could go fuel injected. They have the technology. They 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 could easily produce that, um, and they already have the fixtures. And I'll bet you they still have overruns of that stuff that they could convert. Yeah. They, yeah, who knows? I just, it boggles the mind that Honda doesn't produce the 400DX anymore or the 450. Yeah. I would say, Jeff, and the uh, youth models are actually getting updates. You see a lot more youth ATVs. For even the six and up crowd, 10 and up, 12, 14 and up crowd, they're actually getting features like electronic fuel injection, which they did not have, you know, a couple of years ago. Everything was carbureted, very old technology. So there is something going on there. And I, I guess the, the newest example would be the Yamaha Grizzly 110 with the, that just came out with the FI. Uh, and there's several from Polaris. Uh, I think uh, Can-Am has a couple of models that have EFI for youth. Um, so there is some movement uh, down at the bottom, the youth models. I was out. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video. I, I have a post loaded up for later in the week, but uh, Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence were riding TRX 90s on a little like uh contest thing they did with Alpine stars. I mean, boy, it'd be great if you could, you know, you get some ambassador like that to, to give some momentum to the ATV sport. That'd be cool. Oh, the, the, those TRX nineties are the best pit bikes ever, man. Everybody loves them. You know, they, they displace so the LT80. Right. Yep. Yeah, One of I know some things. people that Lenny. I know some people that would argue with you on that. So. Well, that's okay. You yeah, know, everybody's not there. You know, it's just like the ATC seventy crowd, man. Those guys are fanatics. Yeah, uh, I mean, it just, just to the extreme nutball fanatics. Uh, and I love, I love what they do, but man, it's. It's not the end all be all, guys. It's really not. You know? Yeah. Well, and those, yeah, the the clean uh ATC seventy is costs more than a TRX ninety, brand new. Right, right. I mean, I have four LT eighties in my shop for my grandkids. And by the time I get them done, my grandkids are gonna be too big to ride them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, I just, I, I just keep collecting jobs, you know, and, and I'm just shaking my head going, I don't know what I'm going to do because I still have to do all the work that's out there, you know, unreal. It's un, yeah. I, anybody that tells you that ATVs are dead, they're sorely mistaken. We are, I, my, my side job the company that owns ATV Talk, which is my my company, not my brother's, I am I have enough work for the year already in 2024. And I'm not taking jobs 
of my own, my brother is is filling the spots where I would find my own customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get a, you know, talking to you guys and some of the other performance builders that are still very busy with vintage stuff. um, I just, I wrote an article, it was in one of our recent issues about Lone Star Racing and, you know, them producing bearing carriers and suspension parts, frames, um, they can't keep up with demand on that vintage stuff. And even the week that I was there, they sold three Banshee frames, Lone Star Banshee frames. So, and I, when I was there also, I mean, there was just racks of bearing carriers, uh, eight, you know, 250R axles, Banshee parts everywhere. They were punching this stuff out while I was there. And uh, as I was doing the tour with them, I said, yeah, we can't keep up with this stuff. Everything you see here is already spoken for. You know, we're just trying to get this stuff out. So sport ATVs are very much still in demand, you know, especially that vintage stuff. And I mean, again, I just I'm kind of content seeing that happen. I I love those old machines. Let's keep them alive. And I think the uh, aftermarket, like you guys, are doing a very good job of making that happen. Uh, I, I, I would like to say we are, but we are working seven days a week and and, you know, I don't know what happened with you guys during the the uh, sickness time, uh, but we were busy. we went riding. Yeah, we were busy. Yeah. Before that happened, we were busy, and we haven't slowed down technically, work wise. Um, phone sales are always up and down, but it, just the sheer amount of people sending complete builds or engines it's off the charts you know we've been doing this almost 50 years and you know i know i'm not trying to make it to talk about that kind of stuff but we've never been busier you know that's great well that's great those articles and dirt wheels uh and your advertising has helped that i i just Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I just finished up an article today of one of your builds, actually. Nice. For uh, Jason Blunt, who you yeah. personally had a, a hand in on that machine. I heard you put a lot of extra work in on that one. And it's... I, I built that machine. I built that machine complete. Um, it was... it was. So I'll just tell the story. It was mine. It was, that was going to be my bike. Jeff, you and I spoke that we were going to go out and race works again. And, you know... Yeah visions of grandeur right and uh mr blunt uh had called me on the phone and had bought some parts for another machine that he has and he was asking about building a machine for his son and then the conversation went from building a machine for his son to building a machine for himself and he asked me what i rode i go well i ride whatever is available because usually what i'm building for myself never ends up being mine and I explained to him what I was building, told him all the concept by it. And he goes, so um, what bank do I send my deposit to? <laughs> so Mr. Blunt purchased the machine from me uh, before he even seen a picture of it or the color concept. And he goes, I don't care. He says, what you've described to me is what I want. And um, what you have in the magazine there is is what it all, that, that was my vision all along. It, it has a roll swing arm, which is almost unheard of today. Very rare. Yeah. Uh, from TRX yeah. 450R. Um, yeah. That's a big part of the article that we do mention that, how rare those are. 
yeah, there's there's some pieces on there that you know the oil cooler setup that um, we that we sell for the 450R is on there. The dual fan radiator, you know that um, anybody can build some of this stuff, but it's just some of the little things that I did for myself. These were all things that I put on all the race bikes. You know, it's got a digital temp gauge on it with an hour meter. You know, so that you're always being able to monitor everything. You know how it how it's all working. Um, I was really satisfied. That's that's you know that was one of the machines that you you hang your hat on that you'll remember for forever. Um, that that's one of those builds that uh, you it was it was really cool talking to Jason too because he I know he has a, a Raptor. I talked to him today, actually, to to finish up the the story, just getting his impressions of it. Uh, he had a side by side. Also, he bought it because he thought he was getting older, and that's where he needed to be. And decided he wasn't he was too young for that, you know. And got came back to that. Bought this machine. He got the Raptor, and just and it was okay for him, but he wanted a four fifty. And then he was telling me that there in the Louisiana, where he's from, he has a a pretty good sized property and he cut out a three mile motocross track for himself, which I think is where he's going to be doing a lot of the riding for this. And I know when he was younger, he didn't have the money to pay for a build like this. He didn't have the opportunities to race, but at yeah, 50, he'll be 50 next year. And he's looking at getting started in motocross racing there in the South. And I was just like, man, that is just a killer story. And I hear that a lot. More lately, especially we talk with a lot of the other editors at the other publications. And yeah, side by sides got really, they're dominant, still are dominant. And a lot of the editors, that's where they've been spending most of their time. But then we ended up, you know, ATVs, we got some new models coming out this last year or two. We'd show up at intros and uh, a guy would hop on an ATV, go out and do a couple of laps or, or, you know, go out on the trails and come back in. And the first thing they would out of their mouth is, I forgot how much fun these things were. You know, I've been behind a steering wheel too long. So I, I think uh, you'll see a lot of that. I did the same thing. You know, I, I own a side-by-side also. Uh, I was, I felt like I was getting older there and stuff. My hips went out. But after I got those replaced and got back up to speed, got my motion back and stuff, I went out and bought a 250R. I was like, I can go out and ride this thing again. And that's where my heart is. That's what I want to ride. Um, so I think we'll be, you know, hearing more and more stories like that going forward. And I think it'll be good for ATVs. Let me throw this question at both of you, because both of you guys talk to manufacturers, possibly at different times or different models. The story I'm being told is that there's no interest in ATVs. When you talk to these specific manufacturers, what do you tell them? Do you, do you have any pull to say, dude, you guys do not have any data to support that. Yeah, they uh, they don't really want to talk about it. They they just said, you know, they'll tell me that, uh, you know, the side by sides is is what's driving the driving people to the showroom right now. That's about what I hear. Man, I heard from uh, one of the Japanese manufacturers told me that if a new sport quad comes back it will cost around it's going to be around thirteen thousand dollars for that machine and they don't think people are going to want to pay for that and, and my answer to that is well 
who would have thought people would want to pay $50,000 for, you know, some of the newer side-by-sides that are coming out. Apparently there's a market for that. I think, you know, for me personally, even back in the nineties, when in 2000s, you know, when we were still racing before 2004, when we were all racing 250Rs, we were putting 15 grand into our race machines back then, you know? So I, I, I don't believe it. You know, I just, you know, I'm just wait. I just, I'm just going to wait and see. I think eventually well, something might happen. It's $11,000 for a new 700 Raptor right now. Right. And, or a YFZ, same way. You know, it's so, it's under $11,000. Does anybody know what a new 450 dirt bike costs? Uh, yeah, 10 to, 10 to 15000 Yeah. So yeah. they're full of shit. <laughs> well, what what they are? No, they're not really. I mean, because the Yamaha Raptor and no, the YFC. What, what I was saying is, what I meant is, sorry to interrupt, Jeff, is that they're they're full of it because they're saying that, that nobody would pay thirteen if you're paying oh, right. yeah. eleven for something that I'm buying it because it's the only one, not because it's what I want. Right. So if and I don't want to take anything away from Yamaha. I'd love to own a new YFZ 450R, and I may, you know, along with my 250R here in the future. But uh, I I think the price difference where you're where they're saying it's going to cost thirteen thousand dollars. Just got to keep in mind that the YFZ and the 450 or the YFZ and the Raptor have been around continuously, whereas to develop a new machine. At this point, you know, with inflation, it costs so much more. The government wants its cut. So they're going to have to pay for that some way. And so, yeah, a, a new 450, according to this one manufacturer that I talked to, they said it would cost $13,000. And then the second part of what he told me that kind of surprised me was that if you can go out and find a thousand, a thousand of your friends that would pay that much, then we'll talk. I was like, that's all you want is a thousand people to pay 13 grand for a new 450, you know, fuel injection, whatever is updated. Um, I, I just, I don't see that being uh, difficult. Where do we go to place our orders? Yeah, yeah exactly. Let's, let's start a petition. Yeah, where, where, <laughs> yeah. where, where would you yeah. like me to put my name on that list? Yeah. Because I don't have the money, but I will buy one just because. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I'd even buy a freaking orange one. If a fuel-injected uh, Honda 450 wide quad came out, I would buy one right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to have a new something new out there you know I, I would buy one just because i'm going to want to develop parts for it a but b you know that's going to help the sport so much i mean it's going to kill my supply of honda parts in my garage but you know we'll, we'll get over that you know i think we're all on the same page i i don't understand it i don't know what the reasoning is uh for saying there's no market for it because we all see it we see it in the comments on our website every day, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if they're all just, you know, still high on, you know, the expensive side-by-side stuff or what, but uh, you I know, think they're, I think they're missing a big portion of the market. Joe Tully says that they're chasing that Polaris money. I know. And I, there, there may be some truth to that. Um, you know what? I, I could not justify in my heart to go buy a UTV. You know, I've driven 
the Yamaha. I've driven a Polaris. I've driven um, a couple of different Polarises. I've got to drive a Can-Am for a little bit. Not enough to justify if it was a great car or not. Um, but Lauren won't let me drive his Talon because everything I drive, I wreck. Uh, and I get that. I, I mean, I wouldn't let me drive it either. But they're no fun. Right. It's they're not, not the as fun. They're not as fun. They are fun. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they are fun, but they're not. It's it's not you know like I I don't get out of the car with a big ear to ear grin. You know, every time I get off that ATV, I got an ear to ear grin. Yeah, you know, and it's I, what's weird. I, it's not. It's not as easy to like dice with your buddies in a side by side because like you rub tires, it could get catastrophic. But like an ATV, you, you could rub tires and, and on an ATV for lap after lap and have, have a blast. Even in the sand dunes, you know, I and <clears throat> I've been out there with my Talon, and I've been out there with various sport quads. I mean, the the ability to take a quad up to the peak of a bowl and just take a look over the side, you know, stand up, look over there and, and using your body to, to, as part of the machine rather than just sitting in it, you know, that's part of a part of the thrill with ATVs that you just don't get with side-by-sides. And I'm not trying to take anything away from all the side-by-sides and stuff, but they're, they are different. And I understand why people prefer one or the other. Um, I'll tell you this, when we're out shooting photos of either side-by-sides or ATVs, it's a lot easier to make an ATV look fast than it is a side-by-side in your photos. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, So much more body English just hanging off the seat. I mean, God, that's that's exciting stuff. Now that my hips work again, I want to go out riding right now, just talking about it. <laughs> Kane, um, do you do much mountain biking with the with, with where you live? I do, yes, but I typically stay to the ski resort and take the chairlift up and then ride the single track down or the jump line down. I, I don't do a lot of pedaling. <laughs> well, as big as I am right now, I probably would do the exact same thing. Uh I I used to when I was riding all the time, the up was the fun for me. You know, it was the pain that you had to go through to get there, uh, to enjoy the down. Um, At least that's what I told myself so that I would do the ups. Um, Yeah. Do you you ride a conventional bike or have you went to the electric uh, mountain bike? Yeah, conventional downhill mountain bike. A heavier stance with with like a 27.5 wheel or 29? It's a 29 and... uh, yeah, I mean, it's got good travel. I'm not sure all the specs on it. It's a Scott is the brand. Okay. Um, but yeah, I usually just lift it on the, the chairlift and ride to the top and coast down. But you get a workout. It's it's cool. I mean, there's some pedaling. There, there's some cross-country trails to do on it. But I I did debate whether to get an e-bike, um, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I'm still pedaling and keep, keep you in shape. Yeah, I'm so torn for the amount of money they want for those bikes. It's just, I, you know, maybe I watch too many videos where they're burning to the ground, you know, when the batteries catch on fire. Yeah, I'm not spending 10 grand on a e-bike. I, I would rather <laughs> buy a new ATV or dirt bike for that price. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say my my mountain bike has a 500 cc four stroke in it. So <laughs> that that's that's the best way to do it, right? You know, guys, I I don't uh, I don't know where the future of everything's going to go. I'm really hoping that uh, a company. Uh, God, I'm going to choke on this. I'm really hoping in a company like KTM would come through and build an ATV, even though they've publicly stated that they are a motorcycle company only. Um, only because we get three different machines out of it. And that that would massively boost the industry to have, you know, the blue, the orange, the red, and the white sitting on the starting line even if it wasn't a Honda or a Suzuki or a Kawasaki. Yeah, it'd be nice to see a smaller man- manufacturer like uh, Riju, which is a, a Spanish dirt bike company that bought the other half of gas gas that KTM didn't take, to see maybe somebody like that get into it. You also brought up, I know Joe's been pushing the KO deal. Uh, you know, CF Moto is doing a lot of, wild things on the ATV side, four by four ATV side. It would be interesting to see them try to maybe get into bring some kind of sport quad back. You know, anything if I think if we just got one, then you would see some of the other manufacturers, the main manufacturers actually open their eyes and maybe say, okay, we need to get back into this too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you see that new um dirt bike company? I think it's called <laughs> Cave or Cove. They came yeah. out with like a rally bike. Yeah. I haven't yeah, seen they're, they're, they're decent. Yeah. And there's some pretty wild startups out there that I, I don't know. They could really mix things up. Of course, it's all speculation. We don't know anything about there. So. Well, or do we? <laughs> is Triumph, is Triumph going to come out with a real dirt bike, race bike? Yeah. I think it's already out, isn't it? But did they form their team? Aren't they going to be in Supercross in 2024? I believe so. Kane? Yeah, 250 Supercross. Um, I'm not sure actually who's riding it, but supposedly, supposedly it'll be there. Wow, that's amazing that the motorcycle industry is that big and strong to support that many different manufacturers. Yeah, I think Beta has their 450 MX bike ready to go too if it isn't already i could that's yeah. what i ride but yeah there's another one it is it is sickening i think for the the fan of sport quads to when you go over and you look at all the different offerings that companies like beta yamaha ktm have you know there's how many different versions of you know each bike and different displacements and stuff it's like why can't we just get one sport quad from you guys you know <laughs> Yeah, the industry will do all the other mods to it. You don't have to. We'll take care of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A Suzuki, uh, another Yamaha, a Honda. That'd be great. Yeah. You know, molded after the Yamaha, 50 inches wide, whatever. And the rest of it we can adapt to. We always have. I, I think that the Raptor 700 is going to transition to your desert, the the, the machine for the desert, uh, as far as desert racing goes, um, just because the motors are so strong. The suspension 
is not that far off. I don't think. I don't feel. Um, yeah. Your top speed with the thing is already better than your built 450s. Yeah. Um, and, and you already have companies such as Elka and Roll uh, building things for them, you know, to, to make them awesome. The gas tank's a bit expensive when you when you import it because you have to import it. Nobody in the in the country makes one. Um, and they are difficult to the, get. The fuel because of fuel pump. Yep. Uh and and that uh, the way that it adapts to the fenders uh changes it. You know, there's gonna be some issues with that. But you know, we we can there again. We've always adapted and overcome all of those kind of things. So once you put the gas tank on there, put the fuel pump in it, and now you have larger volume, and you can go fifty to sixty, seventy miles on the thing before you need to fill up. Um, Man, minor modifications to that engine, and it is a force. The chassis itself. when you put it in full dress with the with a carrier axle shock air intake pipe ecu you know set the the bars the stem do when you get it in all full full whether it's recreation or race dress that is a sweet machine yeah i think uh that'll be interesting to see you know the I, I was around when everybody was racing 250Rs. I was around when they were doing 450s, mostly Hondas. And then if it changes over to, to Raptors, that will be interesting. And and I did race one in the Baja 2000, you know, different different era Raptor, but it was uh, it was a good machine for the long distances. Yeah, I spent uh, two seasons racing Best in the Desert on the 660. I love that platform. Um, the 700 didn't catch on as fast. Um, I don't know why, but it didn't, but for the recreational user, it did. Yeah. They're they're great machines. Yeah. I prefer the 700 to the 660 and, you know, for the racer though, I, I, why hasn't it caught on more with the Baja racers best in the desert when you see them all over Dakar? Well, yeah, well, the Honda 450 was just so good. It was yeah. hard to beat. You'll I'm just talking today. Why don't we see more Raptors in uh, maybe GNCC racing or? Uh, uh, development. Nobody's taken the time to develop it properly for GNCC. I think that you're going to see a change because our, we're limited on the machines that we can build. So you will see a change in that. Um, you will see a most likely a 700 Raptor in score next year. Yeah. In the premier class um, um, built by a builder that has dominated that on a 450 for years. Hey, so, speaking of big board sports, quads, speaking of big board sport quads, I wanted to show you something that I found. Who is that on that trophy right there? on the kfx 700 this is back 2004 work series when we were all raising production a and i knew it was you because you're not wearing any gloves i remember that about you back when we were racing you just would not wear riding gloves i still don't man i still don't i you know what i wore gloves um i think i wore gloves for that three-wheeler shoot i'd have to go back and you know look and i think i did uh, you had to look professional. 
Uh, I don't think when I wrote up in Canada, I had to go ask the promoter if he cared if I rode with gloves. And he goes, Oh, you won't make it two hours. It's too rough here to ride without gloves. I rode the I rode my whole time with no gloves. I got a two minute penalty in Pendezvous for no gloves. Wow. Yeah, they made me get off the bike. And I had to go uh, take a pair of gloves and cut the insides out. So they would just go over your fingertips, you know, and, and then go to the guy and say, hey, the steward and say, will this be okay? And he just shook his head and goes, yeah, that's fine. I don't know why you'd ever do that, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just have never, I've just never liked gloves, man. I don't yeah. know why. Wow. You you and uh, Ivan Stewart, no gloves. You know, it's just like perfumes for girls, gloves are for girls. You know, I mean, same thing. <laughs> Guys, hey, I want to say thank you so much for you taking time out of your busy schedule. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International, Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events. Builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to duncantechinternational at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms, and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 